Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 203, Daredevil Season 2, Episode 11, 380. Hello and welcome back to the Welcome to Level 7 coverage of the Netflix series Daredevil Season 2. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to introduce this episode and to introduce how it works. And people who've listened for a long time know exactly how it works. But if you're just joining us, uh, here's how it works. We watch the Daredevil season two episodes and we watched them a long time ago. Like almost everyone else, we watched it when it came out. But when it came out, we didn't have time to fit in the coverage, especially in the same way that we do our coverage for the, the weekly show. And so we are covering it now, and we knew this was going to be the case. So Daniel and I, Daniel Butcher, the co-host, co-founder with me, recorded our thoughts immediately after watching the episodes. So that's what we're going to start with. We're going to start with uh, our phone calls from the past, and then uh, Stuart and Samantha are going to take over, and they are going to talk about the episode in the present and that's how it works. Now, if you want to listen to all of our coverage of Daredevil, you can go to welcometolevel7.com slash Daredevil. And we have subcategories for all of the, the different shows that come up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including the movies. So that would allow you to go back and, and start from the beginning on these episodes without necessarily having to dig through all of our backlog and, and all of our episodes. I mean, 203 episodes. That's pretty, that's pretty wild to me to think about how many episodes... But maybe I should just stop thinking about it because, hey, it's not stopping anytime soon. So without any further ado, here comes our original instant reactions. Opening statements. Do you ever wish sometimes you could go back in time and experience something for the first time again? Yeah, me too. But this is the next best thing. <laughs> I can't experience this episode again for the first time. Although I do come close because whenever I, whenever we have come back to these, I can't remember. A lot of times I can't remember what, what all, you know, the details. I remember the big things, but the small details are what I appreciate. So, but this is uh, me and Daniel Butcher, and this is our instant reaction. So I'm going to play uh, Daniel's call first, and then I'll play mine. We call these into our voicemail which limits things to three minutes. Usually that's okay. Sometimes we have issues with that, but right now we're just going to play the recordings and see, did we have any issues? And what do we think of the episode? Daredevil, season two, point three eight. I'd just like to compliment, this is Agent Daniel, on six line choices of books. Congratulations, bad Man, that's quite the library. Good job. That's all I got. Peace out later, bye. And apparently Daniel had no issues with the, the length of call on that one. So 
Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'll move on to uh, my own call from the past. Here's past Ben with a phone call about Daredevil 380 or 038, I think is what he said. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> Hello, future people. It's me. And I'm calling in from the past because that's what we do here. I've just watched Daredevil episode 11 because that's what we do here. And I'm calling in now to give my thoughts because, well, that's what we do here. And I've been thinking about this episode for a couple minutes here because that's what we do here. And this is my initial reaction because, as I've said, that's what we do here. You know that's what we do here. Uh, and now... I'm continuing the tradition of what we do here. What do I need to say about this episode? There's so much going on. There's ninja action. There's hospital politics and cover-ups and people taking a stand for what's right or taking the wrong stand for what's right in the case of Punisher. You have this Punisher-Daredevil conversation that they started early on. They're continuing it now here. And it's definitely, it's it's interesting that this year we get Batman versus Superman on the big screen. Huge movie. We get the Civil War movie, which I don't know if that's going to be huge or not, but also on the big screen with uh, Iron Man and, and Captain America. And here you have Punisher versus Daredevil. This is the year of hero versus hero. And we'll see what it, where this ends up going. But for right now, it's interesting. The ideology that they're trying to give, uh, they're trying to you know, convince the other side either of their rightness to join on my side or the rightness to leave me alone on my side because I'm right and, and you can't handle my rightness, or my righteousness in, in some cases here. Uh, also, this is pretty brutal. Uh Continuing the trend of being just brutal, brutal, and uh, beyond that, I, I don't really know what else to say for this episode. Um, the stick stuff, the yakuza stuff, the hand stuff—it it works, but it's not intriguing to me. It's not like oh, I can't wait to find out what happens next in this battle. Uh, I think part of it is there's so much going on. There's so many different threads being spun here uh, with season one. I think maybe one big difference is kind of the singular or dual focus. You have the focus on Kingpin and the focus on Daredevil. And here we have we're, – we're all over the place. And we're giving Karen more to do. We're giving Night Nurse more to do. We're giving Foggy more to do. Plus, we've got Kingpin. Plus, we've got Punisher. Punisher and Daredevil are sharing the show as the two focal points, but then there's all these other things going on. And that might be part of why I'm feeling some of how, how I'm feeling where this isn't the greatest ever. But it's great. Maybe not the greatest ever, but it's great. Thanks, Past Ben. And, you know, um, I'm just reminded because of this call, the, all the tensions between good guys. And, and, you know, you didn't say anything bad about me past Ben. And, and I appreciate that, you know, some of the tension between us as good guys, uh, maybe you and I don't need to have such conflict, uh, as we move into the future together. Just I'm moving into the future now and you've already moved into the future. It's the whole time travel is hard thing, but, um, I actually, 
again, I, I don't even remember leaving these calls. And so that was kind of fun too, because um, I had completely forgotten about that whole, uh, the, just the way that that year tended toward superhero conflicts against each other, which makes a lot of sense, honestly, when you consider um, the way, you know, the way a superhero movie, movie series normally would go is you have um, the superhero is the only superhero. And so Superman, you know, those first four Christopher Reeve Superman movies, what could they do? Well, it was always conflict with the bad guy. But when you have these franchises like this, I mean, Civil War had impact. Uh, it was muted impact that they kind of pulled back the punches themselves. But it had impact because we had followed these characters together. And then when they came into conflict, conflict, it was it was bad. It was not a good thing. And the same thing with with the whole Justice League franchise, the way they're building that, you know, you have these characters who are rising up together uh, and being developed at the same time. And then we have these this conflict. Now, in that case, it was, you know, we're, we're just dropping in the Batman into the Man of Steel um, movie series. But, you know, it, for for a greater good, because we're going to get more Batman or whatever. But anyway, yeah, I, I completely forgot about that whole uh, dynamic of of. Uh, superhero cinema of the time um and then the difference here is instead of having daredevil deal with a villain he's dealing with a villain and an anti-hero and yeah uh, good good insight past ben i know you can't hear me but i'm patting you on the back right now metaphorically <laughs> it's fun because when it's so far away you just don't remember and it is like hearing something new for the first time so all right. Well, with that said, speaking of hearing something new for the first time, I'm going to turn things over to Agent Stewart and Agent Samantha as they talk about this episode now. So take it away, Stewart and Samantha. Case evidence. Well, thank you, Ben. And across the country, which is the awesomeness of podcasting, we have Miss Samantha and I'm Stewart. And you are... <laughs> Hi, this is Samantha, the ninja in training. Ninja in training, yes. Do you... Actually, I'm more, I'm more like a samurai in training, but ninja in training just sounds so much better. Well, so, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. Isn't the meaning of a samurai a warrior who has no um, no master? No, that's Ronin. I apologize. But, yeah, that's And that's a, a completely different MCU thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, the MCU does borrow from real-life history, so yes, there would be Ronin within the MCU, historically. Yes. 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 But there's also one way out in the cosmos somewhere who who got blowed up. Okay. You remember Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronin? Yes. Purple guy. Yeah. Yeah. Blowed up. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. When, when, when Star-Lord distracted him. Yeah. <laughs> With spoilers. His, really, Sorry. With his awesome, spoilers. With his awesome dance moves. That's right. He dance doesn't. off, dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, uh, that, that reminds me. Okay, so spoilers. I'm sure Ben has mentioned this. Um, yes. But if he hasn't, uh, we'll talk about everything up to and including this episode of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. Um, if it has not come out on our show, we won't talk about it. So, um no Luke Cage, no Iron Fist. <gasps> Those are spoilers. You're not supposed to mention them. But they know, people know. People aren't stupid. <laughs> yeah. 
I know, I know. I'm just teasing. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and um, and of course, you might have listened, you might have seen Spidey, but we haven't seen Spidey yet. So um, before this comes out, uh, but we won't talk about it because we haven't seen it. But we have seen Guardians. There is a Ronin in Guardians. We're caught up now. Let's go. Okay. So this episode is, um, was it season two, episode 11? Episode 11. And the episode title is .380. And that's actually in reference to a caliber for a gun, which we'll talk to late about later. But first, um, I also want to mention that we've been kind of busy. <laughs> Yeah. If you notice, this is the second episode in a row where Ben's not here for the dis- for the discussion. I'm working really hard, just jam packed with all sorts of work. So I did not write summaries for this episode. It came from Marvel Cinematic Universe Wikia dot com, and I kind of rearranged the paragraph so it would have more of that mini storyline beats um and the only real editing i did was rearrange those paragraphs from that page for this episode plus i removed a few phrases like inside the hospital at the hospital at the diner so and and we'll link to it in the uh in the show notes um yes we'll make sure ben has that so uh yes there's we we borrowed that so that we didn't have to work so hard yeah, we and appreciate I'm sure, the good people yeah. at Marvel's Wikia Cinematic Universe place. Yes, and you know if we did not mention them and credit them, you know our professor could email us and tell us we're on academic probation and we'd get into lots of trouble. <laughs> and and as Daniel is, I have been told Daniel is the one who makes the rules. Yes, uh, he would email us and he would tell us. And and I don't want a strong strongly worded email from Daniel, so that's yes. why we're crediting properly. We're citing our sources. I will I will hand in a work cited page to Daniel if he wishes. I seriously I will like MLA format. I will. <laughs> but but here's the trick. Here's the trick. Daniel has to be on the show, like actually <laughs> record with us. To make that demand. So an email demanding an MLA style uh, works cited page <laughs> isn't going to cut it, Daniel. So that's it. That's it. Come on the show. Come back. Come back to your home. We'll talk about some Daredevil. Samantha will, will write up a works cited <laughs> paper MLA thing. <laughs> I will include the MLA formatting for um, the episode itself. So don't worry, Daniel, that will be in there too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The episode, the self and this, and that's it. (laughs) So, so this, this, we've teased this thing long enough. Do you want (laughs) to, do you want to dive into it and, and see where we get? Yes. Okay, so I have it divided up. The, um, and first we're going to dive into um, the beginning uh, where you have the confrontation with the hand at Metro General Hospital. So at Metro General Hospital, because that's what it says in the paper, uh, Claire Temple brings security guards and a fellow nurse, uh, I think it was Louisa, 
to the ward where the victims of the Hand are being treated. They are attacked by the Hand ninjas, who kill Temple's co-worker. Daredevil arrives and fights the ninjas. Temple attempts to fight as well, but is knocked out of the window. Grabbing onto a grappling line that the Hand used to scale the building, Daredevil saves her. The Hand ninjas escape with Daniel Gibson and the rest of their victims. Afterwards, Matt Murdock explains who the Hand is to Temple. She warns him that he is in over his head, but he assures her that he is able to handle things. He receives a phone call from Detective Sergeant Brett Mahoney, who informs him that Karen Page has been attacked and is at the 15th Precinct Police Station. So, awesome fight sequence. Yes, it's a fight in a hallway. Daredevil is very, very good at fights in hallways. MCU, Netflix scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I have one question for you personally. So are these ninjas also in training? Or would you say these are ninjas not in training? Um, I would say that a really great martial arts of the Eastern... Well, any so anyone that practice any, practices any sort of martial arts is never finished with their training. So yes. you answered yes and no at the Correct. same time. Good job on you. Um, and one more thing. Did you think Claire was going to die? Um... No, because it's the beginning of the episode, and I knew that the Defenders were somewhere down the road, and she would be the connecting, she would be one of the connecting pieces for the Defenders, so she has to stick around. But yeah, I did worry, maybe for like half a second, I worried for her. I wish I could remember what I thought when I first saw it, because I don't remember if I saw her in Jessica Jones at all. And Jessica Jones. I forget. I think maybe for like one or two episodes. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure she was a nurse then. She was in Jessica Jones. Because that's where we're introduced to Luke Cage and she nurses him towards the end of the series. Yes. That's right. Okay, so maybe I didn't think she was going to die because of that because, you know, her and Luke sort of did a... It seemed that it's yeah their their pairing seemed yes. like it'd be a good thing. Those are those are the only two questions I had. It, I mean, scary ninjas are scary. Falling out of windows is scary. Superman, <laughs> I mean Daredevil jumping after after you is not scary. Well, if I ever fall out of a, wi- a window, I will only hope that Superman Daredevil is there. Okay, so next I will be talking about uh, Karen Page and um, what she does in this episode. So at the precinct, Mahoney finishes taking Page's statement. She agrees to police protection and leaves with two officers. She is met by Murdoch, who was worried about her. Outside of earshot of the police, she admits that Frank Castle saved her when she was attacked. She tells him that she believes the blacksmith is targeting her since she and Mike Mitchell Ellison began digging into the massacre at Central Park. When she is ready to leave, Murdoch wants to go with her, but she tells him that she is not his to protect. Paige checks into a hotel room after it is searched and declares safe by the police. Once the police leave the station themselves outside, she leaves for the parking garage. She finds Castle in her in her car, listening to an old cassette tape that Ben Yurick left her with the car. 
Although she is worried about lying to the police, she leaves with Castle. Castle takes Paige to a diner, and he and as he drinks black coffee, they discuss how they might find the blacksmith. Changing the subject, he compliments her on her choice of gun, uh, the thirty-eight special, and says he's surprised she didn't shoot him. Uh, Castle then asks her about Murdoch, guessing correctly that she is in love with him. When she argues that Murdoch hurts people, Castle tells her that he would give anything to have have his wife hurt him again. He then tells her to get the waitress and cook and for them to hide under the biggest piece of steel they can find. He points out that a Buick had been circling the diner and had just parked. Men, men enter and attack Castle. Well, this is after Karen gets the staff and they all run into the back. Uh, men attack Castle, but he brutally fights them off. He interrogates one of them, viciously beating him until he reveals the blacksmith's location. Castle kills the men and tells Paige to leave and get protective custody. Paige, badly shaken, is disgusted by the violence, calls the police. Yet again, another fight yes. in a small confined space. That's two for this episode. Oh! <gasps> That's our ratings. How many okay. fights in a small confined okay. space? There, it's done. <laughs> well, we're up to two now. Uh, <laughs> we're up to two. So, I I really liked this scene, yes. especially the diner scene. The um the scene between Matt and Karen is whatever. It's between Matt and Karen. Matt's doing the thing where he's like, "I'm broody. I'm Batman. I mean, I'm Daredevil. This is my city." And she's like, no, really, dude, it's not. You're kind of just being a jerk. Um, I like her saying, this isn't, I'm not yours to save anymore or yours to protect anymore, which you would think might let him off the hook, but I don't think it does. I think it makes him, his resolve stronger to be like, I've got to protect everybody, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, Matt's doing whatever Matt's doing. But... The conversation between Punisher and Karen in that diner and that whole scene is just fantastic. The way he goes from being solemn and stern to being lighthearted talking about his wife to within a split second telling her to get into the and hide behind, you know, the way he flips gears from lightheartedness to seriousness in just a snap of a finger was fantastic. And, and that's again, the, the thing a great actor will bring to this role. I mean, we've seen Punisher before. He hasn't been great. Um, and he hasn't been this well acted. So that's, that's a testament to this. And that's probably why he got his own MCU show to be yeah. honest. Um, well, would it be lighthearted or vulnerable? I'm thinking vulnerable is a better term for it. Regardless, yes. I kind of feel like lighthearted and vulnerable are different enough. Well, Um, I would say he's being lighthearted with the waitress because he was joking about the coffee. He's definitely opening up to her, for sure, to, to Karen, because she's the only other person I think maybe on the planet that he can. Do you think, and I and I don't know an answer to this, do you think he knows that Matt Murdock is red? Yes, yes. Um, I think he 
connected all the pieces at the trial when um, he was on the stand and uh, Matt was questioning him. Oh, you. so that's when you yeah. think it happened? Uh, I think that's when he brought it all together. So he figured it out. And I think he's trying to, with this conversation, trying to talk Karen into staying with him. Because staying, staying with, with Matt. Matt, because Frank would understand how having someone to love and who you can trust fully and who will have your back can ground you in a way. Um, you know, maybe um, because I don't think that in this season that Matt, especially at this point in the season, that Matt is very well grounded. No, he's not. Yeah. He's losing his focus because his focus is being torn in like three or four different directions. Yeah, that's what happens when you, um, you know, you have side girls. Yeah. He should not have done that. <laughs> I don't know which one he should have been with, but I know he shouldn't have a side girl. That's all I'm saying. But I, I think what Frank is saying is that, you know, that sometimes... You know, having that support of, of someone at home helps. Having the, having the security of the. It's like, it's like being married. I mean, you, yes. you come home and you can just put all the worries of all the day at work at home and just kind of release that and just enjoy being with your family. Yeah, but he's talking about, I mean, Castle's oh, yeah. talking yeah. about something worse than that. Or not not worse, I guess, is the wrong term. But he's yeah. talking about something that's different than that. He's talking about the ability for that one person to completely yeah. devastate you with a, with, a, with a phrase or with a, an action or an inaction. And then you, but you don't care. Because you're in love with that person. Well, I wouldn't say wouldn't care. It's just, you know, you do care very much. I mean, that's why you're with that person, right? Right. You don't care about right. what they did, And you I guess. do end up forgiving them, and then you become closer because you've been through this terrible mess, and you've forgiven each other, and you, you're working to be together. Right. And that's the goal rather than the um, the goal is to be together right. rather than to be apart. Life is better with the person right. together than it is apart. So, yes, he, he stabbed that guy a yes. lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> kind it, was, of a lot. it was another and Martin again, Scorsese moment. <laughs> <laughs> but. Again, the, they did something fantastic, which is when they cut away to the um, to Karen sitting there underneath the you know mm. the counter or whatever it was. She's sitting there holding her mouth so she doesn't make any noise. I yeah, mean, that's more powerful than him stabbing somebody or shooting the guy in the head or whatever. Yeah. So, bravo to them for that. You know, it's weird. I think in this season that it's sort of like with with Frank's story that Karen sort of became his uh his sidekick. Yeah, I can see that. I definitely his 
his grounding to the universe and also our way into his story. Right. So however that is, you know, whatever you're going to call that is, is definitely um, her thing. I wonder if she'll show up in the, in I hope so. the show. It, it just seems like that, that, you know, despite all of this, you know, craziness that they have a lot in common and they can relate to each other. And it never hurts to have more friends. Right. I I wonder what they have in common. Um I think well, there's all these hints about Karen's background. Right. And I'm sure that she hasn't explained exactly what that is. We still don't know. So I'm sh- but I'm sure that Frank senses that she's had a terrible history. But she's a survivor. They're both survivors. That's what they have in common. Yes. That's, that's what it is. And they're not. They don't give up. Um, they keep pushing forward. Yeah. They don't give up. And they have this sense of right and wrong that transcends or Matt's morality. Or sense of honor. I guess. Yeah. Matt is very black and white where these two characters are kind of like. He's not shooting at me, so... Or, yeah, they, they, they live a little bit more in the gray area. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which is funny, because I remember on this podcast saying that Punisher was very black and white. But it's black and white towards... Or, or with the filter of whatever he sees as black and white. It's not what the outside right. world sees as black and white. Okay, um, should we move on or is there anything else? Let's move on. Okay. Um, so one quick, or there's a couple quick scenes with Foggy, but the second scene I've lumped in, um, with the next segment. Um, at Metro General Hospital, Marcy Stahl visits Foggy Nelson, who is still recovering from his gunshot wound. She tells him that his opening statements in The People vs. Frank Castle were so impressive that someone may be interested in hiring him. So, yeah. And they flirt a little bit, and it's really cute, and she brings him a little bear, and yeah. So, what do you think about this scene? I am interested in her motives, because I don't believe she is super honorable. Um, she is all about herself for sure. And what can she get out of the situation? That all being said, what she might be able to get out of the situation is, you know, Foggy being happy. And so therefore I am okay with her trying to get whatever she wants out of the situation, but she's not altruistic in, in her nature. She's out for Marcy. Well, she works with, um, Oh, what's the name name of that firm? I don't remember, but the guy, but the but Jerry, she works with Jerry, Jerry yeah, Jerry Ann Moss, yeah, yes. Um, but yeah, she works there, and um, I think this is really a lead into later in the storyline for the overarching Netflix series. So I think we'll, we're still going to find out more. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely a – she's the next thing that Foggy would go to for sure. She's, she, I think she still is friends with him. I mean, she, the first time we met her, she was a little terse with him. But 
I think that came out of a position of um, professionalism as a lawyer. Yeah. But, you know, when it really comes down to it, there's still somewhere in between the, the friends and more than friends area. So, yeah, I, I think, well, one, she was clearly impressed with um, his opening statement at the trial. Yeah. And I think that she's she's she sees that he has potential elsewhere, that his career as a lawyer does not have to end with the death of Nelson and Murdoch. Right. But it's she didn't say, hey, you should go set up some meetings. I think you should be a good job. I think you could do a good job at wherever. Lambda, Tau, I don't know what we'll offer. <laughs> but um, she does yeah. say, can I go set up meetings for you? Which the only type of person I know that does that is like an agent. <laughs> right? Is well, a- something sort of like that. So I think she, yeah, I think she was just seeing how he felt about it. It's a very professional move. Um, just seeing how he feels about it now that he is unemployed and, uh, or he's a free agent. Um, just, and before she goes and talks to her bosses, so he's not surprised by it. Right. I- yeah. I'm not saying she she is or isn't. I'm just saying I, I, I question her motives at this moment in time. She needs to do a few more things that are nice. You know, not treat Foggy so much like not great things and 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 earn my trust a little bit. Okay. Because if you mess Fair with enough. Foggy, you, if you mess with Foggy, I'm upset. Yeah. And Foggy is our friend. Yep, we are so. Foggy, and Foggy is us. Yes. Okay, anything else? No. No? Okay. So now we will move on to the Metro General investigation. Meanwhile, Temple meets with Shirley Benson and a hospital administrator. Benson is concerned about Temple after the attack by the hand. But the administ- administrator is only concerned with the hospital's image. A doctor begins to examine the body of a dead hand ninja, but Temple notices a scar on his chest that suggests he's already had an autopsy. The administrator warns them not to say anything about about it. Benson leaves a meeting oh, later. Benson leaves a meeting with the hospital administration to warn Temple that that this is her second strike, the first being when she left her t- to help an injured man. When was that? Anyways, later on. I think it was um, early in the season. Okay. Uh, Benson tells her that an, an anonymous donation was made to, in, to the hospital on the condition that the events that that evening are kept quiet. Temple Furious quits. Uh, later, Temple meets Nelson, who has been discharged from the hospital. She informs him that she quit and that their mutual friend will have to find someone else to patch him up the next time he gets injured. So so who do you think made this generous donation to the hospital? Ooh, that's a question I had not even thought about until two seconds ago. Um, mm-hmm. I think... Now that you present me with the question, I think it's Madame Gao because Madame Gao is very rich and would like to keep secret ninjas maybe out of the press. 
Or maybe it was the hand via um, Nobu? Maybe. But aren't they the same? Uh, They do work for the hand. You know who? That is... is, Yeah, I I thought it was Nobu. I didn't realize it might have been Madame Gao. It was um, Tony Stark. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, Tony wants to keep everything quiet with the hand because he knows all about the hand. He does. It's yes. Yeah. Avengers Infinity War. All about the hand. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Every other Marvel character is in there. Okay, so... Uh, what did you think about, um, finding the dead hand ninja with the Y incision? So on the last episode, I remember Uh saying that I didn't understand what's going on. I still don't understand what we're leading up to. Um, I know there's a sarcophagus and I know that some kids got something with blood draining into it. But why? I just don't know. <laughs> um, and I feel like this and that are tied together. And I'm kind of waiting. It's getting a little bit too... Like, I feel like maybe we've gone on a little bit too long. <laughs> I would like <laughs> it to get a little bit more resolved a little bit quicker. But that's, again, I, I have no idea. Oh, look, why? But the hand, but the hand is the overarching... <laughs> connection between um, I think the Netflix series. Is it? I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it seems like it could be. It was definitely between Daredevil 1 and Daredevil 2. Um, Yeah, it's true. It wasn't in Jessica Jones. No, it wasn't. So... Claire. Yeah, it was just Claire. So... I have no idea what's going on with the hand. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to skip ahead a little and move my order and just go ahead and talk about the hand because it's one very quick scene. Okay. And uh, here's the description at the farm for the hand. You know, earlier last couple episodes where these victims were found. It's called the farm, apparently. Uh, Daniel and the other hand victims voluntarily drain more of their blood into a sarcophagus. That's it. Um, I, I don't know if it's, it doesn't say in this description, but I think they're dead (laughs) by the end of this episode. I think they die by the end of that scene. I think Daniel goes, I'm ready. The guy slices him open and he goes, yeah. And crumbles. I mean, you can't have, your body without blood in it, so... Right. Right. So, mm. But but as we've seen, dead is not necessarily dead. <laughs> True. Yes, they are working for the hand. Yes. So, I don't... We don't know yet if there are, like... Whatever this is that revitalizes everybody is has levels. Like, is their boss with, like, little zombie guys that you know you can just kill with one shot or like in a video game or did everybody have this process same process done to them i don't know i don't know more importantly are we gonna see zombie sitwell man thing and dracula team up to fight the bad guys i don't know 
and LMD, uh, what's his face? Right now, Ben's yelling at the, the monitor. <laughs> it's, oh, I can't remember. Oh, Dum Dum. LMD Dum Dum. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. That was, a, that was a real stretch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, shall we move on? Uh-huh. Okay, going back to Daredevil. In a dark alley, Daredevil finds assistant, assistant district attorney Blake Tower as he is preparing to leave town. Daredevil demands all Tower's knowledge on the blacksmith, but Tower says that the DA's office didn't have anything except a code name. He suggests that Daredevil look into Black's, blacksmith's bigger competitor, a drug dealer in Chinatown. Moving forward, Daredevil goes to a dry, the dry cleaners, uh, which is the front for the drug dealer. He easily fights and subdues the guards there and goes downstairs to find Madame Gao. Surprise, surprise. He tells her to call off her men, and she assures him that once he is satisfied that they are alone, they will talk. Daredevil asks Madame Gao about the blacksmith. She tells him that no one knows much about him, but that the heroin he sells is very pure and that it, it is brought in by ship. So. Madame Gao is becoming one of my favorite characters. She yeah. is so well written and so well acted. And, oh, yeah. Um, and so anytime she's on screen is just is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm really beginning to, like, find her, you know, like a comfortable warm blanket that could <laughs> potentially kill you, you know? <laughs> By thinking about it. And she wouldn't have to do anything. That's the scariest part. That's true. It's like it's like she's like an electrical blanket, you know, one of those electric blankets that, you know, might have some bad wiring. Right. <laughs> It'll keep you warm, but, you know, one day you could turn it on and you're dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I really do like it, it's not just the way she's written. The performance is just so kind of like dark and mysterious, but at the same time, you know, it's like you you have this feeling like she's somebody grand she's somebody's grandmother at the same right, time too. Right. Yeah. Which makes me think she goes home and she tells the grandkids, "Now better behave." <laughs> or I got some heroin I'm going to give you. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that. Yes, grandmothers, if you're listening to the podcast, not a good idea. Were you, oh, before I say anything, were you expecting Madame Gao? Yes, I think so. You think so? I think so. I remember on my first watch, this surprised me, and it was I was very happy. Um, so Castle was given some information about where to find the blacksmith um, before he killed that guy. At a pier on 41st Street, Castle, 41st or was it 81st? 41st. 41st, okay. Uh, Castle attacks a man guarding a ship. Inside, he finds another man and asks him if he is the blacksmith. The man, terrified, tells him that he is. Daredevil arrives and warns Castle that the man is lying. Daredevil stops Castle from killing the man and two begin to brawl. Castle angry, angrily accuses Daredevil of stopping him from having a moment of peace, but Daredevil tells him that his revenge would have been false and that deep down he knew that. When Castle declares that Daredevil's method of justice 
didn't work and that killing the blacksmith was the only option. Daredevil crosses himself and says that just this once they would do things Castle's, Castle's way. However, Castle tells him that once someone crosses that line, they can never go back. Daredevil hears men approaching and warns Castle that they have to get off the ship. Castle pushes Daredevil into the water. The men fire on the boat, which explodes when the gunpowder below is ignited. Later, Mahoney and Page arrive at Pier 81. They are shocked by the wreckage. Daredevil, back on dry land, notices that Page is there. Okay. Have you ever seen The Usual Suspects? Yes. Doesn't this doesn't this whole like thing remind you of the opening to that movie? Yes. Guys, <laughs> so That's a great, great movie. Yes. Don't spoil it that one if you haven't seen it. If you if, oh, if, I I refuse oh. to talk about it anymore. If you haven't seen it, you have Just, my permission to pause, watch, and come back. Yeah. Yeah, because um. It's one of those movies where you, you need to watch it twice because you don't need know this big secret the first time. And then the second time, you know, the secret and you pick up on all the details. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote a paper about the um, composer slash editor for that movie in school. Oh, cool. Yeah. He uh, he hated composing. No, he hated editing and loved composing and saw editing on his website as a ball and chain. <laughs> that allowed him to compose. It was funny. Okay. Big ship explodes. It's funny. Not really. Oh, another fight in a tight space. So that's three we're up to now, right? Right. Okay. Uh, anything else to say? Red. Oh, could, oh, go ahead. I was going to say we could talk about um, Daredevil bending to Castle's way. I was going to say, Daredevil and and Castle fighting is always good because it always ends in them talking, right? They're they're matched, conceivably, they're matched skill-wise. And so they always end in having to resolve the confrontation with words rather than fists. Um, Right. Or guns or whatever. Or in this situation, Daredevil being tossed into water. Yes. Well, you know, that happens. Yes. To the best of us. Don't worry about it, Matt. But I like that Castle is kind of opening up to Daredevil in a weird roundabout way. You know, you can't always go back. You can't always go forward. Sometimes you're stuck. Yeah. And you can tell now that he likes Daredevil Mm -hmm. slash Matt and he knows Matt's secret Mm -hmm. because he's a smart man. Mm -hmm. And Matt does not really do do much to disguise his voice. <laughs> <laughs> Neither does Bruce Wayne, really. I'm Batman. I'm Bruce Wayne. See, it's the same guy. Yeah, Christian well, Bale had a different voice for Batman than he did for, for Bruce Wayne. And a different voice for the Newsies. But that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> well, well, let me finish my sentence. Well, Christian Bale did have a different voice for his Bruce Wayne persona versus the Batman persona. You know, words, you know, you know I'm not even going to try. <laughs> right. I will just stick with Baby Groot. I am Groot. There you go. So, yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> okay, anything pan- else? We're not pandering to the audience at all. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> or just, you know, to our personal delight. That's yeah. true, too. Uh, none of that is happening. Um, no. Yeah, no, I, I really like the I really like the con- the conclusion of this. It didn't actually conclude it, but it got it got um, Matt off the boat. We don't know what's happened to Castle. Um, I mean, I guess we do because we know he's got his own show now. I guess I spoiled that. Sorry. Uh, but at the end of the episode, it leaves us wondering and it leaves Karen wondering, did Castle make it? Yes. Um, and that is a, uh, that's a big, that's a big deal. I mean, that's almost as bad as, you know, Lacutus of Borg and Riker saying fire. Um, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting conundrum to have to deal with in the next episode. Yeah. So is he alive or isn't he? Mm, we'll see. Actually, I think we've already broken on the podcast, the news about Punisher, but we're pretending that the Punisher series doesn't exist yet. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I've already talked about it. Yeah. Just just two minutes ago. So yeah. But the yeah. but the episode does a good job of <laughs> leaving us to wonder. Right. Yeah. Um. So I remember the first time watching this, there was no Punisher deal as far as I know, and I was wondering, you know, did he survive? So you had to wait your fifteen seconds before uh <laughs> before you could yeah, watch the next I... <laughs> mainline the next yeah. episode. Okay, anything else? Yeah, wh- why was Karen there? Um, oh, that when Karen shows up it's like the next morning. Um, remember how I said I rearranged the paragraphs from this website? No, I mean Karen was there at night. Mhm. May- oh, I see. Yeah. It may I mean- be it may be later, maybe a few hours or whatever later. But why does why does Detective Mahoney bring Karen in the first place? I have no idea. Oh, it's probably because she worked for Nelson and Murdoch. So uh, maybe it's a, if anyone can talk him down, it's him. It's her. Yeah. Uh, Nelson mm. was, um, yeah, probably because if you remember, Foggy is probably at home nursing his wound, probably could not get in contact with Matt. So, Mahoney knowing Karen would probably be the next next best thing. And didn't oh, and she overheard the the dead guy saying forty first in the pier or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Still, right. I think I would have dropped her off. <laughs> I think <laughs> I would have made her duck and roll and just okay, I'm going. Bye. <laughs> So, but, yeah, I, I think she would have been better off at the station until they heard otherwise. Yes, but yeah. you know she's she's may not be covered under attorney-client privilege, but she sure is covered under plutonium. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Nope. Okay. So now I am moving on to Stick and Electra at the wall. Go ahead and say your line. Shaka when the walls fell. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the wall. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where the wall is. I cannot remember. But anyways, 
Stick's subordinates inform him that Electra has killed Jacques Duchamp. I hope I said that right. He tells them to get what he needs and sits to sharpen his sword. When the man in the car gets into the car, they are attacked by Electra Nachinos. I must say Nachos. I cannot say his name. Okay. They're attacked by Electra. Murdoch in his apartment later hears the sound of a car screeching out of control on the streets below. When he goes outside to investigate, the car crashes into the curb. One of Stick's subordinates tells Murdoch that Electra is going to kill Stick. She finds Stick waiting for her and tells him that they need to talk. Stick raises his sword in episode. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And he says, I'm all ears. Because <laughs> 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 David Carradine <laughs> has big ears. He doesn't really. He might. He's not, he's not David Carradine. You're right. <laughs> Did you think that this was David Carradine all this time? No, it's not. It's <laughs> it's, it's a David it's, Carradine. It's Scott Glenn? Type. Yeah. Um... David Carradine passed away a few years ago, hon. <laughs> well, I'm tired. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but before I let you go off to bed, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any comments about this this uh, sequence of events? Stick is growing on me. At first, I kind of think he's just a big jerk. And then he kind of does things that make me okay you're not such a big jerk you're still a jerk but you're not such a big jerk that make me want to not like you um so i do the the whole scene with him like sharpening his sword that was fantastic i i love i love it when shows show something that is important and the minutia of every you know moment in that important uh action um, I really like when TV and movies do that. What did you? What, did you have anything to 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 add to that end of the the episode? There, it makes me really want to wait the whole fifteen seconds <laughs> before the next episode begins. <laughs> Isn't Netflix wonderful? Right, <laughs> and the fact that they're dropping all of those at the same time—that's fantastic. Yes, yes. So. Ah, uh, what did we decide on rating? Fights in small corridors? <laughs> yeah, we only had three here. But surely the yes. episode is worth more than three. What? What's, right. your, what's your rating on this? A solid four. Four fights in tight spaces. <laughs> I'm going to go with a solid four as well. Ben and Daniel, we have kept your record alive. I, there, was, there wasn't enough um, deep emotional or or introspective conversations although the ones that we had were fantastic um but then it wasn't as uh fighty as i would have liked to so we'll you know the whole series is a solid four really solid 4.75 let's say that yeah yeah so this is i mean despite all the violence i really do love the series yeah it's a very well done series and i like that it, yeah. it's able to be 
Um, the first season was more gritty crime drama. The second season's still crime drama, but it's a little bit more polished. It's a little bit more um, uh, polished. Re- refined. refined. Because the characters are more yeah. refined. Right. As it should right. be. Okay. So, Ben, if you've got any voicemail, now's the time to play the sounder. I don't know. I didn't hear a sounder. Did you hear a sounder? No. Okay. <laughs> is he still on vacation? He might still be on vacation. So this is the part of the okay. show where Ben would have Ben would have voicemail. All I'm going to say is, I'm really tired. I want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really tired, too. I want to go to bed. And I was, I was at work, and there was this kid, and he kept just playing with the, with the carousel, and I had to yell at him in Chinese. Your son is playing with the carousel. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one level seven. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to help you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx learn how to podcast get productive in your personal and professional life theorize over tv shows laugh at our clean comedy learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx thanks for joining us until next time godspeed Okay, hey, I'm back. It's Ben. And um, just continuing some uh, post-credit comic book discussion stuff. Uh, just for anyone who cares, I did buy the fifth issue of the Man-Thing series. And uh, it stunk. Uh, maybe I'm being too hard on it, but just didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. And this is really just because I'm, I'm just saying anything in case anyone was wondering or cared. Um, I'm also going to, I guess, plug the comic book time machine where you can hear me talk about comic books over there, but uh, we'll be coming back here in post credit form to talk about Marvel cinematic universe related comics. And all I can say right now is, uh, I know the man thing is not too Marvel cinematic universe related, but it kind of is because of the connection with Bobby Morse, which I've mentioned many, many times, mostly when Daniel was around <laughs> to bug him. But um, there's also you know, Ellen Brandt, Ted Salas, who became the man thing. That's his, his uh, old girlfriend. And she was in Iron Man 3. And then Maria Hill mentioned man thing. So there's, there's that. Um, on the other front of Marvel Comics that I've been discussing in some post-credit stuff, Phil Coulson. Uh, I'm not going to do any spoilers other than just to say I haven't bought any more comics with Phil Coulson in them 
because there haven't been any more comics with Phil Coulson in it that I've been aware of. So I'm, I'm keeping an eye out for that because of the way things were left in that Deadpool comic that I bought. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, beyond that, there was a really cool comic that you might be interested in buying that you might even find in your grocery store that was co-produced between uh, Archie Comics and Marvel Comics. And it's done in the format of the Archie Comics Digests, which are currently being sold on grocery store magazine shelves. So it's a smaller format, but very, very thick. It was $6.99, and it had something like 12 or 13 Spider-Man stories from various periods in the Spider-Man publishing history. There's a little something for everyone in that. Um, but just to continue the theme, buying that meant I bought another comic with Deadpool in it. Now, it wasn't a Deadpool title, uh, but it was him in the comic, so I just can't escape it. I mean, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, but I do recommend that Digest book for anyone who likes Spider-Man and just wants to have some quick, fun reads without having to worry too much about a whole lot of, of backstory and stuff like that. These are all stories that tend to be uh, quintessential, if not essential, Spider-Man stories. And so I, I highly, highly recommend that. I did do a, an episode about that uh, in more detail on the Comic Book Time Machine over at comicbooktimemachine.com. But yeah, so for all of you comic lovers out there, keep your eye out for that one. The next digest that's coming out is an Avengers digest and I hope it continues that same form or format where with the Spider-Man stories they aren't like they aren't Spider-Man stories that you've seen reprinted over and over and over again like the first uh you know the origin story from Amazing Fantasy number 15 or you know reprints like that where it's these classic important stories to the Spider-Man mythos rather it's it's just good stories and there's a like a four issue Dr. Octopus arc in there. And there's a, a handful of more modern comic books uh, featuring Vulture. And like I said, there's, there's a couple featuring Deadpool. I mean, they're basically uh, capitalizing, obviously, on, on the movie stuff that's going on. Uh, but anyway, Avengers, I'm hoping that it's not just a reprint of, you know, that first Avengers team up that they did, but that they find some nice, solid you know, three or four story issue arc from classic Avengers time, you know, in the seventies or, or, and then, you know, maybe a couple from the eighties. And then, you know, I, I don't know what they would pick from, from, you know, the more modern, uh, modern all ages stuff, because that's what the, the modern comic books for the Spider-Man one are, but definitely keep your eye out for that stuff. If you like comics, if you like the Avengers, if you like comics, and you like Spider-Man, uh, these are things that they aren't, super deep cuts, but they were not comics for the most part uh, that I had in my collection. So, yeah. All that to say, the Man-Thing series really let me down, but it did get me going uh, on some Swamp Monster stories for the comic book time machine. It caused me to really want to do that, so there's that. I mean, that's not a bad thing, I guess. Anyway, my turn to say thanks for listening. I'm also going to throw in a Godspeed. <laughs>